summer break winding down, right? Yeah, we got our pina colandos in our hands here on the beach. Yeah, I got my Speedo tan lines. Yeah, our, uh, our uh, Panama Jack oil on. Uh, trying to get those last rays before we head to spa. Yeah, the summer break is almost over. We're going to break it down today. Yeah, summer break it down. It's going to be going from summer break to a spa day for oh, us yeah. and all the drivers, which like will that. be fun. Exactly. So let's head, head to the spa then from the beach. This is Purple Sector, Helen Ragai on the mics. Summer, Summer break, break is <laughs> over. <laughs> Finally done. So remember, y'all hit us up nine zero four eight Purple. That's nine zero four eight seven eight seven seven five three. Also follow at Purple Sector Pod on social media. You can hit us up for mail box 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 segments. Both of those avenues. Right, guys. So we're going to get into our Belgian Grand Preview. It's going to be kind of a different Grand Preview episode because we're also going to do the whole summer breakdown of all the team and driver vacations. Yep. We've got... We're going to crown a king of the summer break out yeah, of the drivers. And, and we've got an interview with our friend Jessica, now friend, we can call her a pal of the show. Yep. Uh, From Grand, Grand Prix Eats. Eats. At Grand Prix Eats. We're going to put that interview in here for our hashtag formula brunch where we'd normally discuss that at the end of the Grand Preview. So... A lot of stuff here in this Grand Preview after the summer break. So, Ragai, first things first, you wanted to start getting into uh, some news we wanted to tuck to bed here, tuck into bed before we get into the summer breakdown of the vacations? Yes, sting me. So, as expected, the claims of insider trading involving Toto Wolf are already being rebutted publicly by regulators. The one interesting thing to note, I mean, we, we knew this was coming. There was no way Total Wolf was going to get slammed for insider trading. Yeah, of course. Right after we recorded the episode where we discussed it, our last episode. Yeah. <laughs> the news breaks that basically he uh, is no longer being investigated. Yeah, I did find it interesting to note, though, that the Financial Times did report that regulators did look into Total Wolf's shares purchase, but ultimately dismissed it as no need for an investigation. Regulators. Yeah, yeah. so... As we expected, if anything shady was happening, Toto would have clear, cleared his tracks anyways. Toto Teflon Wolf. Yes. The Teflon Don. The Wolf Pack. <laughs> oh, oh! Yeah, for sure. We have more Toto Wolf news. This is just a fun one, Ryan. We saw a recent quote from Toto Wolf um, in an article with quotes. So Toto Wolf says, Mercedes feels like a university campus amid the new F1 hire. So... We've I love this. Yeah, we've discussed this where Aston Martin and Red Bull are all trying to hire away 
a bunch of people from Mercedes basically giving them golden tickets, like insane salaries to steal them away from Mercedes. And some of them are staying committed to Mercedes and some are taking the big bag of cash. But Toto Wolf was uh, commenting on the sort of new layout of the personnel. You know, it's a mixture of the old faces and the the new youth that's uh, coming in at Mercedes. So his quote says, quote, when I go through the company, I see still the faces from all the people that have been there since the very beginning. But I see so many young men and women. Sometimes it's like a university campus to me. Which is great. Dude, sign me up for this campus. Yeah. Hey, Professor Wolf, which way is the bookstore? You wouldn't want to get ruined with Valtteri Bottas because no. he he would be that like introverted roommate who doesn't ever want to talk to you, always has the lights off and is trying to sleep. Or he's or, watching you sleep. Yeah, or disappears, you know, like when we've seen Andrade Survive and stuff where he does the team meeting from the room right next door on... On you Skype. Know, on <laughs> Skype or whatever. Yeah, exactly. He would be no fun as a roommate. Hamilton would probably be a little more fun, but you wouldn't have any closet space. All those big boots are going in the closet. <laughs> all his outfits. And you know Roscoe's going to be there shitting all over your dorm, shitting, <laughs> shitting in your That's true. side of the room, probably getting into your bed. Basically, Valtteri and Lewis would be terrible roommates. Yeah, and if you're with Toto, you know he's going to be that studious uh, roommate who's always got the light on late at night when you're trying to sleep, just cramming for some sort of test or something, right? Yeah, making you look bad. Yeah, exactly. Making you look bad and ruining your sleep. Probably stealing your girl, too. Yeah, so interesting, Ryan. The the spin, the soap off the track of Toto Wolf talking about how, number one, he's given the thumbs up to the people that have been there from the beginning and then saying how he's loving the vibe with all the new talent that's coming in. <laughs> because yeah. remember, he was making those similar, you know, taking similar shots about the people who left and took the big bag of cash. Didn't he call it like a lottery ticket or something? Something like that. He yeah. even said, didn't he say that he off, they offered to double their salaries and they still walked? Which begs the question. How, oh, that Mercedes how, was offering, you're saying? He said they offered double salary. Yeah, I mean, sometimes though even if it's the one who brought you to the dance in mercedes if it takes you getting that other offer for them to come out of the blue and say we'll double it it's too late yeah at that point you're like wait i've been criminally underpaid if you're willing to double my salary right now when i'm you know about to leave right exactly so yeah interesting there's going to be a lot of a lot of sort of culture changes going into the new regs right we're waiting to see where the driver lineups are going to land and you have a lot of these teams bringing in new people from all these other teams mercedes losing a bunch of people but then getting young talent which is never going to be as talented as the ones they lost right no, but all i know all i know is with the new rules and the cost caps no one's going to feel it more than the accountants they are going to be so busy and miserable race by race it's going to be such a hard job yeah i mean figuring out that cost cap Having to deal with an accident where you realize how much money you're going to have to spend toward the cost cap on fixing your cars. Just imagine you're the accountant for Red Bull or Mercedes, right? And next season, there's a big race where, let's say, Hamilton has a big wreck, which that never happens, of course, but let's just say Hamilton has a big wreck. Do you want to be the accountant who has to go into the boardroom with Toto on Monday and Toto screaming at you, where can we spend the money now? Where do we have the money? Find me... $200 
two million pounds. Exactly. You know? <laughs> That's not going to be a fun gig at all. Yeah, for sure. So, right, guys, should we head over to the beach, head down the shore, and get into the team summer breakdowns here? Yes, this is going to be fun. Mercedes-Benz. So we'll start with Mercedes. We're going to go team by team here in the order of the championship standings, and we're going to break down what every single driver's been up to, and then we're going to crown the king of summer. Yes. All right, so let's start with Mercedes. Hamilton, in typical Lewis Hamilton fashion, he has been somewhere tropical for the last two weeks. I believe it's Hawaii. I remember seeing some chatter online about that. So a lot of pics of him at sunset, silhouette shots of him at sunset. Do you think Um, he's staying at the White Lotus? I hope so. With Armand, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's how I killed my summer break, was watching White Lotus. So good. Um, Yeah, in one of the shots, he looks like he's butt naked, because it's cropped from the waist up, but there's no sign of a bathing suit. So, I don't know. Let your imagination run wild. Was there any sort of tan line, or or can we assume he's sunbathing nude? It's hard to tell. He's got a lot of tattoos, man. It's hard to tell where a tan line would begin anyways. but That's right. um, Yeah, so he... Lewis Hamilton's been on the beach and on jet skis and stuff, he, and he might be naked half the time. Who knows? Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, maybe it was at this point, where he had that, like, sea trick jet ski where the mm-hmm. the rear jet would, like, pivot so you could do, <laughs> do, like, wheelies, basically, on the water and all kinds of crazy tricks very easily. Yeah, he's always doing crazy stuff on the water. He's got all always. the toys. So, meanwhile... Valtteri Bottas has been Team Sweat. He's been working out the entire summer break. That's kind of a common theme throughout this, right? Half the guys seem to be yes. just relaxing, vacationing, There's, having a good time, and the other guys are like competing in all sorts of other yes. events, That's, fitness events and things. Those are the three common things for the summer break is you either have a lot of working out, like pics of guys lifting weights or running or cycling or, or cheating with a uh, club sandwich like yes. Esteban Ocon. Yes. Or they are obviously flaunting the lifestyle. They're on the water with their girls, you know, sunset pics, stuff like that. Or there's nothing because they're not on social media. So let's move on. We covered, Merce- oh, well, let's get into the details. Of so he started off his summer break by going to Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and he entered a really big gravel road cycling race. Uh, he ended up Do you finishing, know what the distance was of the race? Not off the top of my head. But he finished fifth overall out of 500-plus riders. So Valtteri is he's an accomplished cyclist. He's clearly been getting tips from his girlfriend. What is she? Uh, She's an Olympic she, cyclist. Oh, she is. Yes. So he only dates and marries Olympians. I guess. I think you confused. He's got a type. No, no. I think you confused his ex-wife as being an, an Olympic horse rider. I thought she was. Maybe she is, but I, I, all I know is that his current girlfriend is like an Olympic cyclist. Yeah, maybe I'm just projecting her Olympic achievements onto his ex-wife. Yeah, so after that, after finishing fifth overall out of 500-plus riders in Colorado, that wasn't enough of a calorie burn for Valtteri. He went straight back to Finland and then competed in a duathlon. So a duathlon, which two... In this case, it was cycling and running, I believe. So it can be different. Duathlon sometimes might be, it like be swimming. swimming and cycling, yes. and it's yes. any combination of the three disciplines reduced to two. Yes. Interesting. Do I you don't know, know what this I, duathlon was? I assume he's I staying out I, of the water. I don't know what he finished. I don't know how much swimming they do in Finland. It's not right. that warm up there. Um, 
I don't know where he finished. I don't know much about that. All I know is Valtteri was just burning calories all break. Well, he might be having to prepare for a new career path, right? So like you said, he might become a, a, a competitive bike. gravel cyclist or have to start doing rally or something else. So he's I mean, obviously... Fifth place is pretty much par for the course for him, so it would be a very easy transition. Yeah, exactly. Fifth, <laughs> even though it's out of 500, that's kind of vintage Valtteri there. Yeah. But he's, yeah, he's, like, it, he's like right there, but just not there enough. All joking aside, I mean, for people who think that the motorsport drivers aren't athletes, like the level of fitness now and the focus on fitness, when you go just on a whim during your summer break and enter some big-time gravel road cycling race – and you can finish fifth overall out of 500-plus yes. people. Like, <laughs> that's insane. I mean, I even saw guys online saying, who ride all the time, they were, like, blown away by his performance. So that just shows you how good Bottas is on the bike. Yes, for sure. All right, next team. Red Bull. So Max Verstappen took a page out of Lewis Hamilton's book, and he apparently got on a jet ski as soon as summer break started, and he never got off that jet ski. I mean, he's just been posting constantly pictures of him on his jet ski video, just doing jumps, posing. It's all about the jet ski life for Max this year. Jet skiing is a lot of fun. So it is for like 10 minutes. That's what I was going to say. Like the first, this maybe is like one of the first times he's done it because you're like, man, this is amazing. I could do this forever all the time. But like you were saying, yeah, the kind of the luster of jet skiing goes away fairly quickly it's also a great way to burn gas and fossil fuels like jet ski you go through a tank quickly if you're ripping it yeah if you have that throttle wide open for sure uh we have nothing from sergio perez as far as i can tell he was not active on social at least on a personal level let's imagine what he might be doing we we know that he's i, he, I he's think a he's a big man. foodie big a, family man yeah so he's probably hanging out with his son and his wife and just and the private chef like last year during covid yeah, when exactly when he caught covid he claimed from his private chef or whatever yeah he really threw his private chef under the bus yeah family man for sure so i agree with you he's probably in mexico maybe he's you know vacationing somewhere nice in mexico with the fam i'm sure he's all these guys go somewhere because the calendar is so insane now you I would have guess to Monaco. Find a break. I would have guessed Monaco. Just stay in Europe. Yeah, could be. I don't know. Perez. I mean, the fact that last year, the moment he had a break, he went right home to Mexico. I think, like That's you said, true. he's a family man, has a lot of Mexican pride. I imagine that he went back to Mexico when he when he had this almost a month summer break. We'll go with that. Yeah. So he went back to the home country. Ferrari. All right, we're going to start with Charles Leclerc here. So this is going to be a recurring theme here because a bunch of drivers all went to Mykonos together. Char- yeah, a lot, of, a lot of guys flaunting the girlfriends as well during this summer break, more so than we've seen in the past. You might see an occasional post, but we had the entire summer break of just yes. them all, da- all these guys you're going to mention, dancing around with their girlfriends. Yes, Charles Leclerc, George Russell, Nicholas Latifi, they all went to Mykonos together. It's almost like... The Ministry of Tourism of Greece rang them up and they were like, hey, listen up, boys. We want all, we want all the young cuties from F1 to come to Mykonos for the summer and take lots of pics <laughs> and lots of videos and put it all over your social. I wouldn't doubt for a second that that's what happened, that I'm, some resort in or some capacity, the tourism industry said, come here, we'll hook you up, just post, make sure to tag Mykonos or wherever else yes. you are. 
Because we'll get into it later, but like Lando Norris was wearing crazy glasses branded with where he was, oh, right? They're, they're G'd up with product placement. They're hooked up with hotels. You guarantee it. I, I'm sure something happened. Something was arranged with some of these hotels in Mykonos to, to be seen at these places. <laughs> For sure. So, yeah, Charles Leclerc, he went to Mykonos with his girlfriend. Uh, as I just mentioned, he was there with um, George Russell and Nicholas Latifi. Just so I can't even get into the details because there was so much of it, but they were poolside a lot. They were um, beachside a lot, uh, you know, just having a great time. For, how, for, how does Latifi get in on? I mean, I know the Williams connection, but Latifi never kind of came up to me of like that. The group of the young guys who were all friends, right? They would always tout like Albon, Leclerc, Russell, and I would guess they're Lando. all. I would guess they're all digging through Nicholas Latifi's dad's pockets. Yeah, like maybe if if they didn't get hooked up by a tourism agency or board or I something. Think, I think this trip was sponsored by Mr. Latifi's Latifi. dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I did find funny was, you know, these poor Formula One drivers. They're you know they can't go anywhere with, without being caught on camera by someone, and so there's a bunch of really funny pictures with Charles and he's with his girlfriend and other people. He's like taking pictures with fans and stuff. He's the only one wearing a mask in the photos. Charles? <laughs> yeah, because he probably doesn't want to get in trouble for being seen without the mask on, you know? Yeah. So he was probably like constantly grabbing that thing, putting it back on to take a picture, taking it off, etc. These are the pitfalls of being a Formula One driver, people. Or you just get a good, you know, content editor and they just Photoshop masks onto you. Yeah, you could do that too. All right, we'll move on to, I misspelled this on the sheet here, Carlos Sainz. Carlons. <laughs> Carlon Sainz. <laughs> uh, so Carlos Sainz, just lots and lots of boating. He owns a very nice, beautiful Riva, which is an Italian boat company. They make like classic wooden boats. Picture like the picnic boat in The Godfather. Yes, basically right. any boat you would see on like Lake Como, that's the kind of boat that Carlos Sainz owns. It's gorgeous. He uh, early in the break he posted a time lapse of him uncovering his boat, a little humble brag on his part. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh yeah. So you got to squeeze in your advertisements, right? So he did post a picture of him on his boat, of course, but with an Estrella Galicia beer. Estrella Galicia, which is one of his big sponsors, of course. So I mean, he's got a nice little gig going here. He gets to go out on his boat. He gets paid to drink the beer that sponsors him. He's another family man like Sergio Perez. He's always around his cousin, right? Well, well he, he himself doesn't have a family, but what you're saying is... Yeah, not his actual family, family his but own. his parents and cousins and everything like that yes. always tend to be together. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that's a that's a good deal. I mean, it's a sweet boat. I hope he was able to get some friends or family onto it cause yeah. <laughs> and not just cruise around and sip a Thadea alone the entire summer. Oh, no, he wasn't alone the whole time for sure. Uh, he, that's my personal favorite so far, by the way, because A, I love his boat, and B, there's nothing better than boating. I mean... Yeah, it's a grace. I also appreciate boating? him um, showing the real the real deal. Like, he, he covers it, he takes care of it. Yeah. He did a great job folding that cover up by himself, Dude, putting it away, stowing it. It is not easy uncovering that boat. First of all, it's moored in the water, okay? So you had to basically swim from the beach to get to it. You had to climb on the bow, hang over the bow, and reach underneath to get the cover off. Carlos is working hard. Yeah, and he had to find a way to set up his camera to do the uh, time lapse. That's true. Good point. <laughs> so dedication to uh, showing off his summer break. Yeah, absolutely. McLaren. All right, so this is a, this is a decent one right here. Lando Norris. 
He went on a yacht trip with a bunch of his buddies. Uh, not sure exactly where. Presumably somewhere on the Mediterranean, like most of the guys. Um, I enjoyed. They had an epic Mexican dinner where they were rocking sombreros and ponchos and fake mustaches. Doesn't that sound like a good time? Yeah. Just some fun appropriation, cultural appropriation. <laughs> Who doesn't enjoy it? I mean, wouldn't you want to do a Mexican dinner on Lando's boat? Yeah, it's a, it's interesting that he must just be a huge fan of Mexican cuisine because... Who is it? Mexican food's fantastic. Oh, I agree with you, but if you're going somewhere tropical, typically I would think you would want, you know, some fruit, fruit of the sea, you know, some seafood Dude, and stuff like that. if they weren't doing fish tacos or not. Come on. That's true. Maybe a little ceviche or something. Okay. And then... Uh, <laughs> so this is the interesting part about Lando. Like I said earlier, these F1 drivers... It's hard to keep your privacy if you go to like one of these nice restaurants or whatever on the Riviera. Um, so, of course, Lando was spotted flirting with some young woman, some lucky young woman, and obviously some people with phones got pictures of it. And young Formula One Twitter were losing their minds over this. Young women, young men, it was all just, just this total... Just about what? Watching him spit game? It was all very creepy to me. Um yeah. But it's like all these young women who are like getting pissed that he has uh, that he's interested in a girl, and then all these young men who are like, "Why do you care? It's his private life." It was just a total mess. The guy's got to blow off steam after getting his watch stolen. It's just typical social media, man. Oh, of you know? course. So poor Lano had to weather that small storm on social media. I think we'll be okay in the end. Daniel Ricardo surprisingly inactive. He only had a couple of posts. The only one of note was him laying on top of a McLaren road car. Um, no idea where he was. I'm going to assume it's L.A. because he always seems to go to L.A. Yeah, playing hoops with his trainer. I did see at the beginning of the break he was definitely in L.A. at that point, like walking a dog, I think, across. I don't know if it's his dog or what. But I I remember there was some video I saw of him walking across the street, and I I feel like I remember it as him having a dog that he was walking around. Maybe he stole somebody's dog. Yeah. Who knows? Big dog guy. Maybe that's his uh, his hustle gig. Maybe it was a honey badger, that his pet honey badger yeah. that he was walking around L.A. Could be. <laughs> Alpine. All right, so... Alpine. <laughs> I don't think anybody's been busier this summer break than the Alpine boys. Yes, professionally and recreationally. Yes. So we'll start with Fernando Alonso. He is Team Sweat. I'll get into that in a second, but we got to rehash this from our last episode Alonzo was at the 24-hour of Le Mans with Esteban Ocon. Um, Alonzo drove an F1 car around the track before the 24-hour race started. Uh, he's also just been sweating his ass off, as I mentioned. Yeah, he's a big cyclist as Tons well. and tons of cycling. He's been doing five, six-hour rides at a time. God knows how many kilometers it is. Amazing. He, he got on the bike quick again because, remember, before this season was when he got in that accident and broke his jaw on a, a bike, right? Correct. We were so worried that he was not afraid. Yeah, we were worried at the beginning of the season that he was not going to be able to that he might miss a handful of races. Yeah, because if they weren't able to secure his jaw, the G forces would just be so painful on his mouth. Yeah, but he's fine and he's doing great. Um, also, this is a theme with the Spanish guy. So we mentioned a lot of product placement. Carlos Sainz, he had the post on his boat with his beer sponsor, Estrella Galicia. Fernando Alonso, along the same lines, he posted some pictures of him getting on a private jet company or on a private jet for the company he's sponsored by. And also he posted a picture of his awesome 
banging Olufsen stereo <laughs> in his in his apartment in Monaco. I'm assuming uh, that he's also sponsored by them. So and you know he's always wearing his Kimoa glasses, so yes. he's pushing that product all the time. So he's uh, he's just making money all the time. If when you're asleep, Fernando Alonso's making money. Oh, big time! All right, let's move on to Esteban Ocon. So he started off his break by chilling. He was poolside in Monaco. We talked about this with Jessica in the interview. Yeah. He posted a picture of him sitting poolside. Uh, we assume it's in Monaco. He was eating a club sandwich, and he wrote, my cheat meal for the day. Um, kind of a weak cheat meal. Yeah, we kind of get into it more in the interview, so stay tuned for that. Uh, he was also on the Riviera itself. He was boating. Uh, he he um, was also at the 24-hour of Le Mans with Alonzo. He didn't do anything crazy as far as taking the F1 car on the track like Alonzo did, which I found surprising because Ocon is French. There's nothing more French than the 24-hour of Le Mans. He's fresh off his first race win. And he races for the most French team ever, Alpine, right. which is secretly Renault. And you would have thought they would have maybe put them both out and just had a celebratory side-by-side again or at least run both of them because, yeah, I'm with you. Ocon is – he was like the first one they locked in at that team. He's fresh off of a race win. Right. That's what I'm saying, yeah. It's interesting that they went with Alonzo. It has to be... I mean, Alonzo is the biggest global name, right? Yeah, it's just... He's raced in that before in Le Mans and... It must simply be because Alonzo just has more marketing clout and he's also a two-time... Yeah, globally, he's a much, much bigger star. Yes. But Ocon, obviously, you would have thought the French team in France would have put him out there because that's typically what they do, right? Yeah. Maybe next time, Esteban. Yeah. Keep your fingers crossed, Esteban. Alphatory. All right. One of my personal favorites here, Pierre Gasly. Okay. So Pierre Gasly was broing down hard in Ibiza. I mean, he was rolling five, six, seven guys deep. They're all motorsport drivers. Stoffel, the Waffle, Van Dorn made a couple appearances with him. One thing to note I don't think Pierre Gasly or, or any of his buddies packed shirts because. They are shirtless in every single post that Pierre put up. It is just nipple city on that guy's feed. I, Do you I, think that's I'd what it was like? Know. Remember when when it was during the summer break when it was announced, right, that he was going to go to Red Bull? Yeah. And we got word that, like, he was naked or something. or in his, He was in, he like, He jumped in the briefs. pool naked yeah, with his boys. In, yeah, so... Which it is was most, probably all the same boys over there. Everyone's shirtless in their briefs <laughs> and or naked. I mean, that's just that's the most French. Bit. That's the most French thing ever, by the way. Is if you get a good announcement work wise, you get butt naked. You yeah. jump in the pool. Yeah, he's on fire for Alpha Tori, and you know the bros have to start stripping down. Yeah, so Pierre Gasly is one of the front runners for King of Summer Break because I mean he he was just partying hard with his boys hasn't worn a shirt since summer break started no i mean keep an eye on that guy check out his tan base when he gets to spa he's gonna be very very tan all right let's move on to yuki so yuki sonoda we were a little worried about him because the first two weeks of summer break we got nothing from yuki we were worried that he was shackled up yeah trapped in in Franz Tost's and helmet marco's boot you camp know, boot camp yeah. yeah but nevertheless this past week he finally got around to posting. It was a picture of him on a boat somewhere. It looked like it could have either been the Mediterranean or some amazing lake in Europe. Um, it looked like he was by himself. Was he fully clothed? Was he wearing Alfa Tori fashion gear? Unlike his teammate, he was he was 
shirted up. He had a shirt on. He didn't look that excited. Didn't look like anybody was with him. I think France Toss took the picture. <laughs> yeah, we. Yeah, right. It's like a ransom note, you know, like I need a proof of life. And exactly. the proof of life is get on this boat, we're taking a picture, and then you're swimming back to shore so we can get back to boot camp. Yeah, the reality was that France Toss probably took him out on his boat and made Yuki pull his crab pods for him and then got back to work on yeah, land. The outboard was broken. Yuki had to kick on the back of the boat to make it go. Yeah, but at least Yuki got on the water, which is good. Yeah, happy for him. Aston Martin. All right, we'll start with Sebastian Vettel, who is not on any social media, so he posted nothing. Let's move on to Lance Stroll. Yeah, it's sad that we don't get any, like we've said, I mean, that is what engages the fans and gets people to kind of really back guys. But Seb already has the hardware. You've seen bits and pieces of him on Tried to Survive. But yeah, we don't get that day-to-day, which is obviously what he wants. He yeah. probably just back-wrenching on his old motorcycles and stuff. Yeah, and it's a shame because Vettel is easily one of the funniest guys on the grid. Yeah. He's got a great sense of humor. Let's move on to Lance Stroll. Also another very private guy like Seb. He does have a Twitter and Instagram account, but he never really posts anything personal on it. It's all corporate stuff or team-based stuff. But, as I was saying, we didn't get anything from Lance on a personal level. But we got a video from his supermodel girlfriend of him and her on the Riviera at sunset. She edited like a romantic Billy Eilish song over it. And it was them making out. Yeah. It was kind of a weird make out. And there were other people on the boat. You could see like other people's arms walking by on the side. Yes. It's a very strange video. They're like going in and out of, in and out of making out. As I would mention, there's other people on the boat. Like, it, it was caught, a very weird makeout session, too. It was weird. It was Lance, like, you can't hear anything because there's music edited over it, but like Lance, you could tell Lance is like trying to talk a lot while she's trying to kiss him. I can only assume that Lance is saying, please, babe, don't do this. Don't do this. Or, yeah, why are we doing this on summer break when I could be fucking surfing? Fucking surfing. <laughs> You're blocking my, my view of the break, babe. Yeah, I can't babe, see the I'm wh- trying to t- check out those twin set A-frames stacked to the horizon. Yeah, I wasn't talking about this kind of swelling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, very funny the, uh, the way we got sort of a reveal on Lance Stroll's summer you, break. You never get anything from Lance Stroll on social media on a personal level. And we got just the most epic, awkward makeout video from his girlfriend. Yeah, amazing he let her post that. I, she might have just gone rogue. Yeah, could have had someone <laughs> else just doing the paparazzi bit and filming them for her with her phone. Do you think she has to get posting approval from Larry? Oh, that that's true. I was just thinking Lance, but yeah, it might have to go all the way up the flagpole to Big Larry. He might have to give the thumbs up or down. So maybe Larry texted her back and said, let it rip. That's hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Williams. All right, Williams. Uh, this is the cadre of boys who went to Mykonos. So we'll start with George Russell. Again, he was there with Charles Leclerc and Nicholas Latifi, but I'll get into some of his details. Lots of shirtless pics poolside. He posted some photos of him. It was like a POV shot of whoever the camera taker was playing backgammon against George. I would assume it was his girlfriend. Was he winning? Could you tell if George was winning? I don't know how backgammon <laughs> works, so you would have to. You play backgammon. You'll have to look at the photo. Great game, yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing was the 
the coffee they were drinking was very predominant in the photo. Prominent. I wonder yeah. if that's a Nicholas Lativi thing because we know that his dad is G'd up with Lavazza. Was it Lavazza? I can only assume it was. Yeah. I couldn't make out the little logo, but it's probably Lavazza. So you're mentioning here he was also pimping Bluetooth speakers and stuff. Was he pumping up the jams? A little dance party? Weren't they doing like dance parties and stuff? It was a photo, dude. I can only assume that he had music on. Also, his room was cliffside, as is very popular in the Greek Isles. You have a your room basically faces the seaside, and you have a pool with an infinity edge. Of George, of course, he had all of that. He was he was ready to party. Yeah, Mr. Latifi booked them some sweet sweets, it sounds like, in Mykonos. Yeah, Nicholas Latifi, a uh, lot of double dating with George and their girls, uh, lots of photos. He, what's, what's really funny is the Williams account, the official Williams account, was like reposting a lot of these, of them hanging out and having cocktails. Yeah, the, everyone's looking for content over the summer break. You know why? Because most of Williams' sponsors are from Nicholas Latifi <laughs> and his dad's money, so... It's the circular economy. He's like, you got to keep those sponsors. Yeah, viewable. sell the soap. Um, and small note, in a couple of the posts, it seemed that Nicholas and his girl were drinking actual cocktails, and most of the time, George and his girl were drinking water. Interesting. I'm not calling a... I mean, I, I'm it's not calling, always <laughs> tough to tell, though. You never know what's in what when you see stills and videos. Right. Of people swinging around cocktail cocktail glasses. I'm not calling Nicholas Latifi and his girl booze hounds. I'm just saying they appear to be the ones who are drinking in the photos, or at least not hiding it. Yeah, you never know. He might be working on getting some sort of cocktail sponsor, right? Yep. Alpha Romeo. All right, Kimmy Raikkonen, the Iceman himself. He's doing what he always does. He's hanging out with his wife and kids. His kids are always pushing you know, motorcycles and dirt bikes and golf carts around his properties. Um, so he's, he splits time between Switzerland and Finland. Um, and I believe most of his posts were from his home in Switzerland, which is near the Sauber factory. But he also had a post from Finland, and his, his wife posts a lot too. They both posted a video of like a, a moose swimming in the lake right outside of their house early in the morning. That would have been awesome to see. Yeah, I don't know which house it is, or maybe it's both, but whenever he posts, they post, because both of them post, as you mentioned, he and his she wife. She posts like crazy. Their home, or homes, are awesome. They're, They're just like these open floor plans with crazy very modern rooms and glass walls and crazy pools and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's very, it's what you would expect from him being from Finland. Just very modern cold atmosphere you know like lots of just whites and blacks yeah it always it's like refreshing and invigorating whenever you see one of their posts because like you were saying the weather is usually crisp there's like a pool or some sort of great outdoor I weather mean, and scenery going on speak for yourself because i'm not the biggest fan of contemporary design oh i think they i think the houses look dope i well, think you would become a fan if you were living in that house course, you'd probably course. realize like this is kind of awesome that my entire walls here are all glass no of course i wouldn't complain for sure yeah all right let's move on antonio giovinazzi lots of workout picks he was showing off those amazing shoulders he has by doing some dumbbell presses uh he also found some time to get on the on the water like all the other drivers he took some pictures of him on a sailboat i'm assuming it's the mediterranean and uh some cycling with a friend so he's 
He's a hybrid. He's team sweat, team leisure. Yeah, and you know he's not going to the barber during summer break. He's no. got to keep that mane going. No, Italian Jesus cannot cut that beautiful hair. Yeah, no, not a chance in hell that Gio is going to do that. Haas. All right. Haas. <laughs> Haas is the last team we're going to cover here. Mick Schumacher. A couple of workout picks and then some fun candid picks. It was like uh, the candid picks were like somebody handed him a disposable camera at like the age of 13 and he got it developed and it was like a bunch of pictures of flowers and grass and birds they were all out of focus very artsy yeah i saw that that's where he was like photo dump and it was like very weird they weren't necessarily artsy it was a photo dump (laughs) yeah they were like weird where like the whole thing was blocked by like hanging vines and then you could just see his dog behind it and like a weird picture of another flower or some insect yeah they were very weird very artsy he was messing with perspective and depth of field good for him though oh yeah all right last and certainly least nikita mazepin he was somewhat busy he posted a photo uh, from like a beach bungalow somewhere it was a really bad photo you couldn't tell anything from it like where he was if the beach was sweet it was like a big wicker bungalow with a comfy-looking mattress on it, and that's all we got. It was like him standing next to that, and that was it. He also posted some photos of him hanging out with uh, UFC star Khabib. Nurmagomedov. Nurmagomedov. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's it. That's the summer breakdown of all the drivers. So, so it was him and Khabib at this beach? No. It was, no. It was literally just them like in a hallway somewhere. <laughs> it could and, have been who knows when it was taken kind of pick. I mean, it could have been at like a highway rest stop for all I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the restroom, him and Khabib. Exactly. So that's the breakdown of all the summer break shenanigans. Yeah. So I think we're going to crown- a lot of diversity, as we mentioned. You have the clear teams, you have Team Sweat and Team Jet Ski, it sounds like. Yeah. We learned <laughs> if anything's played out as far as F1 drivers and their summer breaks, it's definitely jet skis and shirtless picks. Oh, yeah. They're all doing it. Yeah. So. Moot, let's so who an- gets the crown? Let's announce our king right here. We got to go with Lance Stroll because he didn't post a single thing, and yet his supermodel girlfriend put him on blast with the epically awkward make-out video on the Mediterranean. Yeah, the awkward smooching was next-level stuff, and that's the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff that you want to see on a summer break. We love it. Yeah. Fucking surfing. We would have loved to see more surfing, so we could have talked more about that and used that drop more, but we'll take an awkward makeout and crown Lance Stroll the king of summer break. If you want to see the video, look up his girlfriend's name, because I don't know it off the top of my head, but find out her- So she didn't just story it? It's a full post that's sitting there? It's a fucking post, dude. That's amazing. It's incredible. It's on the- And if you can't find, find it on her feed, go to the Wags F1 account on Instagram- they have it. That's W-A-G-S-F-1. Go find the video. It is hysterical. Yeah, it, it is crazy. I've, nev- I've never seen anyone do a uh, PDA, you know, the public display of affection, that awkwardly. Because as we mentioned, there were other people on the bow of the boat they were on. And Lance is talking. He's yeah. trying to talk so They're much. They're like having a conversation while simultaneously awkwardly smooching. So congratulations on being crowned. Yes. King of Summer Break, Lance Stroll. King of Summer Break, Lance Stroll, 2021. Yeah. So, right guy, Belgian Grand Prix this weekend. Um, 
And we're going right into a triple header here off the summer break. Yep, so we're, we're going to be busy. Yeah, these guys definitely needed their their summer break, their vacations, their shirtless time before they hop back into the uh, you know fire suits for the second half of the season. What do you want to get into regarding the race? Should we just throw out a couple of predictions and then just do our formula brunch in the form of our interview that we perform with Jessica of Grand Prix Eats? Well, I'm just going to throw out what I'm expecting. So. Like we've been saying for weeks now, it's impossible to tell where Mercedes and Red Bull are on performance because of the way things have gone basically all season, but especially the last two races. I think tires are going to be huge here. The weather is kind of uncertain. We're going to get some wet days. It doesn't look like it's going to be wet on Sunday, but I think air temp and track temp are going to be huge this weekend in regards to tire performance. And I think that's going to be your X factor on Sunday. I'm with you. I would love to just see a clean competitive race between Mercedes and Red Bull, specifically Lewis and Max to get more of that gauge on where the cars are now after the break. Yes. And this is a fucking power circuit. You're not going to find a track with a drag like, uh, you know, spa after turn one. I mean, after turn one, it's just all power for basically almost a minute straight. Yeah, it is a feast for the senses. We always say this track, it's unbelievable. So it's going to be great for this to be the one that brings us back for the second half of the calendar. Yeah, and another thing to really look out for is Red Bull has had like the straight line speed advantage at times this season over Mercedes. Now it's kind of flip-flop, it seems. It's hard to tell, like we've been saying. But keep your eyes on that. Whoever has that straight line advantage probably wins this Grand Prix. And also recall that you know Red Bull needs to start bringing the fight back to Mercedes and the constructor. Sergio Perez has had some moments here. Remember when he was at Force India and all of a sudden they found all this pace? In racing like, Point. Was it Racing it Point was, at the time when they did that? Pretty sure. It was, uh, I believe that was the first race that they were called Racing Point, actually. And you had, I think, Ocon qualified third and Sergio qualified like fourth. Yeah, and then they had that epic four wide going yeah. into the end of the straight. Unbelievable. Yeah. That was so wild. But he's had some he's, good a good run here when he's had speed so hopefully yeah. he can he's also on a bad <laughs> run right now so exactly. he like really needs to clean up his act can't Bo- get much worse botas too botas has to keep his nose clean this weekend because they need him yeah both teams need their it's all going to come down to those b drivers in the constructors championship and obviously that helps these guys out in the drivers championship if they get their teammates there to insulate them from the other squads let's talk McLaren-Ferrari, truly probably the most interesting battle actually this season, McLaren-Ferrari. What do you expect this weekend? I, I'm i anticipating Ferrari being weak because of the straight line aspect of this track. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we both very much believe in Andreas Seidel. So I imagine and Lando. That, I imagine he's been grinding over the summer break, Seidel, because he wants third place in this constructor's battle. Yeah, and let's talk about Ricardo for a second. Does he finally... I've, I feel like I've been stumping for him yeah, we both want to see him do well. So, I mean, I don't know. I can't really predict anything because I don't even know what's going on, you know? Is he really having that difficult of a time yes, figuring he is. the car out? Yes, Like, he it's is. purely that. Because we know he has talent. He would out-qualify Max, win races at Red Bull, right? Yeah. He was able to get multiple podiums with Renault when he was there. Well, another thing about Lando is Lando's done well at Spa in the past, but he's had bad luck. If you remember, it was either, I can't remember off the top of my head now, but a couple of times, like he broke down with like three laps to go. Yeah, he, he has bad luck 
a lot of places, actually, when you go well, back. Well, this right? is one of them. The Monaco issue in the pits, a lot of breaking down when Red Bull was Renault-powered for him. So Lando? I'm talking about Lando. Oh, I thought you were talking about Rick. No, again. no. Lando was going to have a great finish at Spa in the Got last you. two years. My bad. And he broke down with like four laps left, and he had to park it. Well, remember, up until Hungary, Lando was Mr. Consistency, scoring in every race. So we yeah. would expect him to get back into the points again at Spa and bring the fight because it's only him fighting Ferrari with one Danny Ricardo tied behind his back thus far this season. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna not stick my neck out at all here and make my prediction. I think Lewis wins. He's won here at Spa, I believe, four times. Four or five times he's won this race. I think he does it again. I think Mercedes has put in some very good development into the car in the last three races or so, and I expect him to win. I expect Max to be right there, though. I've got a Max... Um, I, here's my podium. Him bot for podium again. I've got Lewis winning. I got Max P2, and I've got a big surprise P3. I couldn't. I can't say who it's going to be, but it's not going to be Botas or Perez. Oh, you're not going to say it. You're just going to tell us you were right next week in the ground recap. I just don't think it'll be Botas or Perez. Oh, okay. You're just saying not, not a uh, the B drivers. It could be a Lando. Oh, okay. Let's a get Lando. a Danny Rick up there and cash in on that. Dale Earnhardt bet. I don't think the Wrangler NASCAR. Yeah, well, I'm excited for the race, Rye Guy. Basically, just tune in because we've we've all been deprived now for the entire summer break. So it's time to go racing again in Spa. But for now, Rye Guy, let's get into our special sort of hashtag Formula Brunch segment here, where we got to interview Jessica Russell of Grand Prix Eats at Grand Prix Eats on Instagram. So enjoy this to help you get prepared for your Belgian Formula Brunch. Ryan, we're happy to be joined now by Jessica Rossell, creator of Grand Prix Eats on Instagram. It's basically an elevated version of our hashtag Formula Brunch. Right? Very elevated. Yeah, Jessica, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so we now for... I think it's almost a few years now have kind of done this formula brunch bit with a bunch of our listeners uh, partaking as well, where we kind of, we do a basic sort of preview of food and drink and things like that based on the location of the upcoming race. And they all jump in and send pictures and stuff of their creations. But then you've elevated now with Grand Prix Eats. Yeah, we found your account and we were immediately put our heads down and we were like, we need to, we need to research recipes more now. We, <laughs> We yeah, I mean, she's out, there, she's out there fishing and catching fish for some of her, her dishes. We're just making waffles for the Belgian Grand Prix, you know? <laughs> yeah, got to do what you got to do to get them fresh. Yeah, Can't exactly. No, it's Amen. no stale fish. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a match made in heaven that I'm excited I could join because definitely have a lot in common there. Yeah, so give us sort of the breakdown. You kind of have a formula where you do what you have like qualifying is like an appetizer and then like get into breaking down sort of how you lay out your Grand Prix eats for each race weekend. Yeah. Well, I've been doing it for a while now. I started doing Grand Prix eats in about 2018, but kind of officially taking it to Instagram this year. I think a little bit with uh, Miss Miss Corona around, I had a little more spare time on my hands and decided to want to brand it up a little bit better. So I usually will do a uh, appetizer, which I call my formation lap, and then the race leader, which is my main dish of the day, and then typically a checkered flag, which will be my dessert. And then if I'm feeling saucy, 
I will also throw in a cocktail recipe Love that. or two. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, ours tends to center often around the uh, the cocktail portion. A lot of listeners just make a coffee and have a, a tall beer or whatever that's affiliated with the uh, locale. Yeah. yeah, I think it's definitely an easy way to get into it is is booze is just start drinking of the region and uh, before you know it food will follow exactly and you'll start thinking you're there you know (laughs) so i wanted to ask you um i mean that's news to us that you've been doing this since 2018 because we've only been following it since you started putting it on instagram so that's that's even more impressive yeah it would be frightening if we'd been following it since 2018 where we're (laughs) peeking through the kitchen window (laughs) up in canada so give us sorry we failed to ask where whereabouts you are in the world and all that yeah, so I live in Calgary, Alberta. So it's it's a beautiful little place here with lots of great food selections to choose from. But that's where I'm based out of. Uh, yeah. You guys are in Washington? Yeah, we're right outside Washington, D.C. here. Beautiful. So yeah. I, I just want to ask a little bit about your background. Do you, do you have a professional background in cooking or is this a, just a passion of yours? This is purely a passion. I definitely did not grow up in a very food like foodie household. I was grown up in a very like blue collar kind of family, you know, meat and potatoes, hamburger helper, spaghetti. So I really got into cooking when I moved out on my own and just moved to Calgary, moved into a bit of a bigger city city and had more exposure. So it's really just a passion of mine. And it's, it's really been fun to grow my own talent, especially in the food photography place of it. So no professional background, just like hanging out in my kitchen. It's definitely a uh, food is my love language. So yeah, well, that, that's everyone, incredible. Everyone speaks the like. language of food as well, right? So for sure, <laughs> that that's incredible, Jessica. Because uh, it's you know your presentation's incredible. The photography is amazing. Um, I mean, I can't say enough how awesome everything you do is. It's it's so well curated. It all looks delicious. Let's <laughs> let's you. let's jump over to the motorsport side. How long have you been an F one fan? Have you ever been to a race? Have you ever been to the race in Canada? Anything like that? Yeah, F one is something that my husband, so I'm married and my husband's been into F1 for the last like about 10 years or so. And it's kind of funny how Grand Prix Eats started was because he would watch F1 and I didn't really get it at the time. I, you know, just kind of hang out politely on the side and watch, play around on my phone and be like, I just don't get it. It's just cars going around in circles. Like what is so entertaining about this? And he would give me like, oh no, but the drama, the story, the rationale, the science, it's fascinating. And it would be kind of a routine of ours that every weekend, you know, we'd watch qualifying and watch the race. And I was just like, kind of always irritated by it. I'm like, this is boring. It's not relevant to me. So how I kind of got into it was this idea a few years ago of like, oh, like, why don't we cook something from where the race is going to be? That's kind of fun for me to do. And it's, I can participate then and, and show a little bit of interest. And it transformed into this like, equal obsession with my husband (laughs) of Formula One. Then I got really into it and I wanted to watch the races and I'm following along and and getting into the blogs and the the style of it. And it just kind of became a huge fan base for me too and a great way to connect with my partner through food and through the sports. So I've been into Formula One since about that 2018. That's when I started really getting into it and and watching it pretty religiously. Did you all watch uh, Drive to Survive? Of course, yes. And I think that's been a big part of why I wanted to do it this year, because the general public knowledge of Formula One has definitely spread to a wider audience with Drive to Survive. Like my girlfriends watch Drive to Survive. They're getting into it now. They watch the races on the weekend, too, with their guys. So it's kind of this uh, little increased awareness of it that's 
joined in the following like even more. So it's a good time to go into Instagram and try to connect with different people about it. That's awesome. So have you have you had to like host any, you know, food parties yet for all your friends for any of the races? Oh yeah. That's uh, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of known as the hostess with the mostest and I think that's why uh like 2020 was so shitty because I wanted to do all these cooking things but we couldn't didn't really feel like it was a good idea to cook all of it for just like me and my husband. Like that's such a big effort with no uh with no guests to entertain. So we have done some really big ones before we did uh, for Spain in 2019. We had a huge party and did like a massive layout of tapas everywhere and had people come over and just enjoy. So that was a lot of fun. I think my favorite memory though of hosting was for Monza in 2019. We did a big polenta table where we essentially just like spread out polenta and meat and vegetables and stuff and everyone just kind of devoured it. And it was definitely not a COVID friendly menu, but... (laughs) This was before that. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Just before. It, it's nice now to get a little bit more socialization coming with it in Canada and, and in Calgary specifically. The parameters have opened up. So we have done a little bit of light entertaining, but nothing um, extravagant yet. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's definitely what we've done as well. Like you were mentioning, Drogis 5 has brought a lot of people into the sport now or being aware or understanding some of the storylines but then the food aspect even people who haven't watched Drive to Survive or whatever will have uh you know a formula brunch party for watching the race weekend and uh you can everyone always loves doing brunch so it's easy to get people to come over for that even if they don't understand that oh I'm cooking stuff related to uh the venue of the race exactly yeah so Ragai what other questions do we want to get into here so I want to questions we have stacked. up. Yeah, we're going to we're going to go deep on all of these. So um, I want to start with now that we know that you've been doing this for several years now, longer than, you know, your Instagram account shows us. Um, I got to ask you, what's the hardest track or, or host country of a race to, to cook for? Oh, I think the first one that really stumped me was Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. because it's such a it's like a it's an interesting city that has a, such a massive collection of expats that live there that it was interesting to try to find dishes that were unique to the UAE versus uh countries that have just like a very long history behind them so that was the first time I had to like really think about what I needed to cook and go in deep and I've made a few dishes, obviously, from 2018 and 2019, but that'll be a big one at the end of the year. Now we have kind of a back-to-back of Dubai, Abu Dhabi, and Saudi Arabia, so it'll be interesting to see how I can bring out the unique food culture of each into the week. Yeah, that's always the the tricky part is not just going generic, you know, yeah. regional cuisine, like actually having something different versus, like you were saying, those triple headers in the same region. You know, you can end up just doing the same thing over and over and over if you can't find that unique dish or whatever yeah so i was curious as well here the ingredients like ryan was saying everything looks stunningly fresh and delicious um where are you kind of sourcing these ingredients how much are you catching or picking fresh on your own either from a garden or a body of water or whatever else I definitely love to explore the international markets in the city. There's quite a, a breadth of, of great cuisine here in Calgary. So I, I try to go make it like a bit of a rule that if I'm cooking from a country, if I can source 
you know, paprika from Hungary versus paprika from the co-op down the street. I'm going to try to go to the Hungarian market to get it there just to keep the flavors as authentic as possible. And really, I usually draw a lot of inspiration when I go to the markets and, and find things that I'm like, oh, rose petals. I've never cooked with rose petals. I'll make a rose cake and kind of spawn off of it that way. And then on the dishes, there have to be some that were left on the cutting board floor to create a, uh, a cooking <laughs> pun, right? How yeah. often, you know, are you strictly the three that end up on Instagram? Is that all you're doing? Or are you kind of experimenting them with other things and you scrap some that you don't post or you're making extra just to have more to eat? Well, how does that sort of process go? I always make extra because why go through all of that if you don't have leftovers? But truly, my process for picking out the dishes is really off the cuff. It's usually the day before. So I don't do a lot of practice during the week. And that's something I think most people don't know about my account when they're looking at it is all of that food that I'm posting. I'm literally cooking it, photographing it and eating it right after, which is kind of unique for food bloggers who typically will like post and practice as a part of their job. But this is just a little fun project for me. So I'll typically photograph it while my husband's sitting there waiting to eat with like a fork in his hand. I'll be like, all right, and go. Yeah, that's so, always the frustrating part. If someone's there, there yeah. you're like, don't touch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me two seconds. So if it doesn't turn out and the recipe is crap, then it usually doesn't make the, the blog itself. But I'll still post it and be like, to be honest, this tasted like shit. So don't copy it. But fortunately, it is pretty rare occurrence that something completely shits the bed. Yeah. So we have to ask, have any of, have any of the dishes or recipes just been a complete disaster or was the experience in the kitchen itself just a complete disaster? The experience in the kitchen itself is always a disaster. Like <laughs> you never see the counters when I'm done with them. Cause like I said, I'm cooking and eating in one foul swoop. So it's usually pure chaos behind me. And that's where my husband and I make a great team. Cause he'll usually help out significantly with the cleaning. Cause I'm just say, wiped by the time. I oh yeah. <laughs> say, I hope you make him clean. <laughs> he cleans it all. Like I help. I don't want to be a jerk, but yeah, it's definitely a, a give and take If I feed him beautiful meals. He takes care of the chaos that I create in the kitchen. Um, but in terms of yeah, dishes ahead. that in terms of dishes that have really been a massive fail. So when we did that Spanish tapas day where I had like 40 different dishes all throughout the table, the one I was most excited about was these like smoked baby octopuses. Cause I just bought a smoker in 2019. I was pumped to use it. And I had taken like all this time to clean and prep these little octopuses and marinate them. And they were so beautiful. And then I put them into smoker and completely burnt the shit out of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like, I was checking on them ever so gently. And then as soon as I left my eyes for like an extra 15 minutes I come back and they're literally crisp dust on my pan and I was like well that was that was a waste I just felt like I've just betrayed the octopus that did you so ever sad. did you ever go back and make things right in a future season with the uh, smoked octopi <laughs> not yet but we shall see yeah. there's I want to get more use out of that smoker before the uh, summer is done so watch out Texas love it <laughs> so uh how yeah you're gonna go nuts for uh, the Austin Austin mm -hmm. race then with that smoker how are yep. you with uh, the recipes? Like, are you finding and then tweaking or you just kind of are winging it? Or, you know, some people strictly will stick to recipes, measure everything out to the exact, you know, little metric. How, how do you do the whole recipe building or research or whatever? Good question. I generally like to find recipes from as many like 
language, uh, native language websites as I can find and then kind of merge them into different ones. I generally find if you're looking for a pretty iconic dish of a country, you'll find usually four or five different recipes that are kind of go-tos of how to make it depending on whose kitchen you're looking in. And I try to take the things that I like from each, but still keep it as authentic as possible. So I would say nine times out of 10, by the time it's done, it's my own recipe and it's been a modified version from somebody else's. Love it. That's awesome. Raga, do you want to get into her podium of the top three that she's made? Not, not quite yet. You I want to. Wanna, jump you don't want to no. get the races it over yet. No, I, I need to know more <laughs> about the cocktails because, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, Jessica, you had one of your Instagram stories. You had made a cocktail that I believe you were trying it as you were cooking, and then like the next story you put up was something along the lines of like, wow, I can't believe how strong this was. I'm, I'm already hammered and I'm still cooking. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. That was... <laughs> what was that? That was for the Red Bull ring because I wanted to make a Red Bull uh, kind of cocktail to go with it. And... I was, full disclosure, the day of the race was a Sunday and I was incredibly hungover from the Saturday previously. But I had bought all of the things to make this cocktail and I was like, I'll be damned, I'm going to make it and I'm not going to make a cocktail and then pour it down the drain. That's that's blasphemous. Right. So the cocktail I had prepared to make is also one of the strongest cocktails I've uh, ever had before in my life. It's it's kind of like a, uh, like a bulldog meets a Long Island iced tea. So oh, it's wow. essentially a Long Island iced tea with blue carousel instead of uh, triple sec. And then instead of uh, lemon juice and Coke, you put lemon juice and Red Bull and you usually leave the Red Bull in there. Uh, it's commonly called a trash can is usually where <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. Amazing. <laughs> and funny enough, a trash can was at, that cocktail was the cocktail I had at my wedding a few years back. And everyone at my wedding was absolutely hammered. But I was determined <laughs> to make it, have a sip of it. And it was like, wow, a Red Bull with all of that booze was the last thing I needed today with my stomach as uh, gurgly as it was from the <laughs> night previously. Well, you still got credit for trying. Exactly. That's all I'm here for is credit for trying. <laughs> Put it yeah. on my tombstone. We also had uh, one of our listeners hit us up for a previous race where McLaren, I guess, had put out a virgin pina colando recipe. So they, they made that and boozed it up and uh, sent in the Formula Brunch with the pina colando. I love that. Yeah, the I teams are getting puns. in on it now. Yeah. One of the favorite ones I just did the other day was the Get In There, Lewis, because that's my favorite slogan ever. I was just going to ask you about that. <laughs> that's the purple cocktail, right? That was the purple cocktail, yeah. That was uh, my Empress Gin uh, Gimlet, essentially, is what it was. And it just was so purple, and it looked just like the helmet, and that's what I thought of. I was like, at when I started Grand Prix Eats at the beginning of the season, there were a couple of things that were like, oh, don't forget, make a cocktail called the Get In There, Lewis. So I was excited to do that for uh, for Silverstone. Yeah, yeah, that's our that's easily our favorite cocktail that you've posted because obviously we're biased. This is Purple Sector, but it's <laughs> yeah. it's the it's the perfect cocktail for us. The good news is when you drink the Get In There, Lewis, it's hammer time, right? <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so you were saying there, Lewis is uh, like your favorite driver or drivers or teams or whatever in Formula One. I wouldn't say that necessarily. I was excited to do a drink uh, for him, but I think in terms of my favorite, I'm team McLaren. I, I love McLaren. I'm really rooting for them this season to have a good season. Um, Should we guess? Can we try and guess who your favorite driver is then now that you've given us the hint? We've got a 50-50 shot. So. Uh, sure, go ahead. All right, I'm going to say Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel you Rick's guessed the it man. right. All right. Yeah. Anyone who watches Drive to Survive, it's hard. 
you know, to say anyone other than Danny is the man. Yeah. The honey badger is always uh, a, a delight on screen for many, many seasons, even before this one. And uh, yeah, definitely. I love the vibes of McLaren. Everyone's so happy. It's They're so just rooting and doing their best and nothing but smiles. And uh, they bring a lot of warmth to the, to the sport that sometimes you lack in other teams. So I'm cheering for them. Love it. Absolutely love it. So I want to get back in, into your cooking process now. I want to know if you have any cooking rituals. Like, for example, I typically put a podcast on when I know I'm going to be cooking for you know, the next hour or so, um, or I'll, you know, grab a beer or something. What, what do you like to do to relax while you cook? Oh my, well, cooking is naturally pretty relaxing, even when it's crazy. But my, my usual routine is on Saturday, I wake up and watch qualifying. And cause we're obviously in Calgary, a lot of the races happened overnight. So I'll usually record it, get up, make a breakfast, make coffee, watch qualifying, and then go out on the town to get all the ingredients that we need for the following day. And then Sunday is kind of the same routine. Wake up, have breakfast. If it's a Formula One breakfast, we enjoy it uh, before Formula One and then kind of get into the sport. But if it's usually a dinner, then we'll watch the race and then get to cooking. Uh, I usually like to... I'm a big, just like comfort Netflix kind of fan. I oh. like to put on, you know, The Office or a Great British Bake Off or something that I can listen to, but don't have to pay attention to. Right. So I usually will like have that playing in the background. Or if it is a particularly uh, specific location that has a movie with it, like on Austria, I played The Sound of Music and watched that for like three hours. That's and awesome. That was calming. <laughs> and then usually wine. I'm a big, uh, you have to have wine for cooking and wine to drink while cooking. Yeah, exactly. And they can't be from the same bottle. No. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That sounds great. You uh, you definitely have a more chilled out vibe cooking than I do. It's a very stressful experience for me. <laughs> it's taken a long time to get that comfort in there, but now it's my happy place. Awesome. So I've I want to get can we get into the podium now, right guy? We need to get into dude, this. Dude, you are you are rushing so. the podium, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to know I know that one that caught my eye was that like butter basted steak with the anchovy thing. I think, yeah. did you do that for the French Grand Prix this year? That right, was right. for Monaco. Oh, so that was like, Monaco. Do you see what he's doing, Jessica? He's trying to influence your podium <laughs> picks now is what he's no, doing. No, I'm just bringing up one that caught my eye when I was scrolling through uh, in the past. So, I mean, butter basted steak, that, that'll swing anybody. Yeah, and I like that that sort of anchovy topper instead of, you know. All right, yeah. for Christ's sake. All right, let's just get, <laughs> let's go to the podiums then. All right, Jessica, you've, you've cooked... I mean, far more dishes than we knew before because you've been doing this for several years now. But can you give us, at least from the Instagram, because that's what people are able to see, what's your yeah. podium of dishes and your podium of cocktails so far? Okay. Cocktails I'll have to think about, but I think for food, I've got some pretty standouts that I can call out as my, as my podium. So third place would go to the churros from Spain as my top dessert, but I'm going to pick one of each uh, category. So my top dessert is the churros. I am a massive churros fan. So the recipe that I've got posted on my blog, grandprix.com is absolutely amazing for churros. It is flawless. Follow it to a T and you'll have no problems. So definitely whip that up. And it's very easy, which is a good introductory into deep frying. Uh, for my second place, I would probably choose that tomato pasta I did for Imola. That was a very classic, simple, fresh tomato pasta with a little bit of chili and just like really nice, uh, thick bucatini. 
Mm-hmm. Again, very, very, very simple. Can easily be done on a weeknight meal, and it tastes like better than any pasta I've ever had in a restaurant. It's it's a beautiful recipe. So definitely uh, call that one out. And then my number one dinner, because it just brings me a ton of comfort, was actually from 2019. It's just a classic English roast chicken dinner with like English roasted spuds and duck fat, which is kind of a signature of mine is duck fat potatoes. That's the only way to do it. If you look at my uh, patatas bravas uh, dish from Spain, there's the recipe on how to prepare duck fat potatoes, and they are the only way you could ever eat potatoes going forward. So that, with a nice English roast chicken and peas with mint, is a perfect Sunday supper. Flawless. There's if if I'm on the death row, a Sunday roast English dinner is exactly what I want to get yeah, served. That, that podium on I might have to get, find my way on the death row if I get that podium <laughs> as a last meal. <laughs> Yeah, sign me up. Sign me up for death row if that's the meal. Absolutely. Okay, so what about your podium of cocktails? Podium of cocktails. Well, I'm not all going to call it ones that I've created, but there is one. My favorite first place cocktail would be the, um, oh, fuck, what did I call it? I forget what I called it now, but it's the one I did for for Silverstone with the uh, gin infused with English tea. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to find it now. But it's essentially... um, gin with english tea and uh the high oh tea and the high the tea, high tea. Yeah. the high tea oh god you know it better than i did <laughs> uh steeped gin tea with a uh, spiced ginger syrup so it's a really popular ingredient in a lot of british baking is like uh, stem ginger little balls and they come in a little jar and it's just soaked with like a simple syrup and it's a beautiful little spicy ginger addition to a cocktail instead of doing a classic simple syrup so that is uh the top one I've made where like you could give that to me any day of the week at like 8 a.m. and I would suck it back. It's so good. Okay. Sounds awesome. Yes. Um, I love a good sangria as well. Uh, the one that I did for Spain is a go-to recipe. I actually got it from my girlfriend who works in uh, in wine and she gave it to me from her mom. So it's kind of a multi-generational sangria recipe wow. and it's dynamite. And then last, oh gosh, I love a classic old fashioned. Like I know it's, it's not uh, something I created, but I will always go for the old fashioned on a drink menu if it's there. So that would be my top three go-tos for cocktails. Yeah, it's a classic for a reason, right? Yep. <laughs> so the, uh, the Red Bull and, and Long Island iced tea didn't make that. Yeah, the trash can <laughs> Red Bull. <laughs> the trash can. <laughs> That is funny. Yeah, the trash can uh, definitely is, you're like your fourth or fifth drink. You don't start the night with a trash can. That's more of, hey, what's you drinking? Okay, give it to me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a hearty beverage. Yeah, and ironically, uh, Max's car has been in the trash can the last couple of races as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> he, needs a, he needs to drink a trash did, can. Did I curse him? I hope I didn't curse him by creating yeah, I know, that, with so. that trash can Red Bull drink. Now his... yeah, I, don't, I don't think he could be more cursed at this point after what's happened. <laughs> Um, so you obviously have, you know, a very exotic and adventurous palate. Um, I want to know if there's, you know, for example, I'm, I have that gene where you can't really eat cilantro. It tastes funky to me, you know? So, yeah, so it's okay though. I can, (laughs) if it's really minced up and it's, you know, not too overpowering, I can handle it. But I want to know if there's any ingredients like that for you that are just a no go for whatever reason, allergies or taste or preference. 
I am, I like adventurous eating. Like you probably have seen on my, on my gram that I recently cooked and ate a pig's foot. So I think if you can eat a pig's foot, you can pretty much stomach anything. Uh, The only thing that I have a real aversion to, uh, which I don't think is super unique, is cottage cheese. I just can't eat it. It's just the most disgusting stuff in the world. Yeah, it's a texture Um, thing. It's a visual thing, right? Yes. I like, I'm sure if I cooked it up in baking and put it in a cake, it would be tolerable, but, um, there's definitely, my husband is Polish and he has a lot of like cheesecake and different things that use cottage cheese that I'm just not into it at all. <laughs> I <laughs> realize cottage nice. cheese is a, uh, staple ingredient in uh, Polish cuisine. It is. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I had some pierogi yesterday, so no cottage cheese on those though. They're better with just plain cheddar. Yeah, I don't, for sure. It is what it is. <laughs> All right, so we covered your podiums. Um, I think this is the biggest question. We're, well, second biggest question we're going to ask you, okay? Um, it's, it's, it's about F1 drivers, and if you could cook for one on the F1 grid, which driver would it be and why? What would you cook them, and what cocktail are you serving them? Oh, I love this question. I think, I mean, it's obvious. I would, I would invite uh, Ricardo to my house, little Daniel Ricardo, because mm-hmm. I think he would be very pleasant company to have around. And I would cook him a big meal of Australian chicken parm. It is the go-to dish for like nights out having beers, uh, partying in Australia. And I would cook him a big platter of chicken parm. What makes and it Australian chicken parm? Is there any unique good- thing? Good question. I have no idea why chicken parm has just like exploded in Australia. But if you go happy hour on anywhere in Melbourne, walk down the pub streets, chicken parm is on every single menu. I don't get how it took off there, but it is insanely popular uh, there. So I think he would enjoy having a bit of that home cooking. And I make a really good chicken parm. So you can probably expect that if we were having Australia soon, but (laughs) whatever. Uh, But I'll probably cook it anyway and post it. Uh, But I would have him over and I would probably just do a big foster's beer love it because it's the it's the drink of the country so i'd want to cook him something <laughs> that he would definitely enjoy and loosen him up and have a lovely conversation how big of a crisis would it be if if daniel said hey i don't like parm on my chicken i like cottage cheese <laughs> oh, i mean i would ask him firmly but politely to leave yeah. <laughs> fair enough we don't have that fair in enough. this house <laughs> yeah this is a cottage free zone yeah that is funny Okay, um, let's touch on Formula Brunch again real quick. So the Belgian Grand Prix, it's right around the corner. We, this is the type of stuff we get from our listeners, Jessica. We, we had a guy send us a video yesterday. He had an Amazon package arrive. He opened it up on camera for us, and it was a, it was a Belgian waffle maker, and he said something along the lines of, like, it's Belgium this weekend, boys. Let's go. So that's the kind of stuff we get. So we just wanted to pick your brain real quick. And just see if you had any, you know, simple or easy Belgian recipes in mind that you could kind of give our listeners heading into the weekend so they could, you know, start their prepping and hit the store. I think with Belgium, you know, obviously waffles is the big key. From I've actually like debated this a little bit on Reddit because I usually post there too and, and engage on on our Formula One. And apparently Belgian waffles are becoming more of a touristy thing, not necessarily what the locals generally eat for breakfast, unless it's like it's considered more to be dessert. So, but definitely you can just make some Belgian waffles and say screw it. They're like. I think Belgian waffles really came to the States from Belgian people and they really exploded here. So now they're more expected when you go to Belgium. But truly, I think a classic Belgian meal would be like 
mussels and fries for not for brunch unless you were really craving mussels for brunch <laughs> same with like fries and mayonnaise is always a good a good dish uh but i would probably just go with waffles say screw it go into it yeah have a big belgian beer mosa add a little orange juice to it and start your day off right hell yeah well i mean let me think so the the race at least on the east coast the race should be on like around 2 p.m right or is it oh, like noon i'm not even sure I haven't looked at the sked yet. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how gross it would be to eat mussels that early, what, depending on what time the race is. I mean, I you know me, I'm on the water. I can eat mussels any time of the day. So, mussel breakfast is not off the question. Yeah, I'm off the you. table. I'm with you. <laughs> Out of the question, off the table. <laughs> if you put them in front of me, I'm not going to look at the clock. I'm going to uh, empty the plate or bowl. Yeah, you can just pick at them. <laughs> so, we need to... Um, I think we need to get you in touch with Esteban Ocon because over the summer break, he he posted on Instagram. I don't know if you saw it, but he's, I would presume he's in Monaco, <laughs> but he's sitting poolside and he has a decent looking club sandwich next to him at the pool. And his, his caption was cheat meal day favorite. <laughs> um, so I, I have a real problem with, this is just a basic club sandwich. That is got to be one of the weakest cheat meals i've ever seen i think we need to get you in touch with him sad well i don't think he's an adventurous eater because based on his physique we we both don't believe that he eats often if at all (laughs) he's he's, (laughs) he has the skinniest legs you've ever seen (laughs) so yeah we gotta we gotta get him uh on the grand prix eats train so he doesn't have to eat club sandwiches for (laughs) for his cheat meal it's like a loaf of bread you know with some bacon mayo and some other meats and toppings i didn't even think that like a club sandwich would be on any menu in monaco of all places hey they've got plenty of clubs that is perfectly weak, especially from a guy from France. Like France is the world of indulgence and beautiful pastry and rich, hearty foods. So, yeah, I'd be pretty bummed if my my big cheat day was some you know deli ham and lettuce. I'd be pretty bummed. <laughs> yeah, the only thing you're cheating is yourself if you're having a club sandwich as your your cheat meal. You know. Yes. Like you said, get, get me some duck fat potatoes and some other butter smothered meals, especially as a French guy, right? Yeah, get you that steak with uh, anchovy butter sauce. That's yeah. that's that's a cheat meal day. That's- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Jessica, we're gonna. This will be our final question. And I think it's the most important one. We want to know if you envision a Grand Prix Eats cookbook in your future, and hopefully the answer is yes. And how soon can we pre-order that book? Yeah, we'll write the forward for you. <laughs> the formula brunch never- forward. It's never out of the question. I've definitely noticed the hardest part about doing the Grand Prix thing is staying up to date with posting the recipes on my blog because I I love the cooking, I love the photography, I love the engagement, but I hate writing. So I would definitely need to uh, pull my thumb out and get more recipes posted on the blog before I would ever commit myself to a cookbook. But I'd say by the end of it, I'm probably going to have you know seventy recipes at the end of the day. So definitely a possibility. That's Love incredible. It. Seven. That's yeah. that's more than enough for a cookbook. I mean, that's plenty of recipes. That's plenty. I think it was just you got to find that audience of people that want a hybrid cooking and Formula One. That's right where I'm in the middle. Well, that's why we were super excited to have you on, Jessica. We're, we're going to point all of our listeners to your Instagram account. We want all of you to go check out our account. Let her know that Purple Sector sent you and, and just take in all that beautiful food. Yeah, at Grand Prix Eats. 
Yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Jessica. And we're excited to see what you come out with for spa. And we've got a triple header here. So your kitchen's going to be busy and your husband's going to be busy, busy cleaning all the, uh, the pots and pans and everything coming yep. up. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of pickled herring in the near future. So... Oh, watch yeah. out <laughs> beautiful <laughs> what everyone's waiting for the pickled herring yeah and we we need those muscles now i'm starving for muscles after all that hot muscles talk that we're i know running. it's almost dinner time here i'm, I'm <laughs> so ready to eat now after talking to jessica yeah, yeah hey, just go hop on the boat and get some you'll be good <laughs> yeah, exactly well thanks again for joining us and uh hopefully we can do this again soon because this is uh this is a blast awesome yeah i'd love to thanks right. guys thanks jessica take care If that interview doesn't make you hungry, Ryan, I don't know what else will. I'm starving. Yeah. And just a a great deep dive into hashtag Formula Brunch and obviously her account at Grand Prix Eats. Make sure you guys go check out those delectable posts over there on Instagram. Yes. Go go give her a follow at Grand Prix Eats. Make sure to comment. Tell her how great all of her food looks. Tell her that Purple Sector sent you. Oh, for sure. Love it. But now, yeah, now it's time to head into the kitchen we have to up our game to, to keep pace with Jessica's uh, ridiculous offerings for Hashtag Formula Brunch. I think I'm going to take her suggestion and do some mussels and frites, mussels and fries, but I'm going to wait until after the race to do it because she's right. It's too early in the morning. I believe the race starts at 9 a.m. for us. I yeah, can't, you, I you can't can swing just mussels. Make, yeah, make the waffles for during the race and then blow it out for the dinner because, yeah, sometimes I try and do – yeah. Like the full spread for the race, which can be very tough if it's early in the morning, you know, and you're cooking like dinners and, and things like that. And I might try to even catch my own muscles. Go out. <laughs> Go do it. The only guy I want to catch is the muscles from Brussels, Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's my guy. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So get excited, Rye, guys. We mentioned we had a great deep dive with at Grand Prix Eats creator Jessica on uh, Formula Brunch. We got into the summer breakdowns of what all the, the guys are, have been up to. The summer break is now over. They're all heading over to Belgium. Yep. And now it's time for us to all head to the kitchen and get ready, fire up the waffle maker, and get ready for the Belgian Grand Prix this weekend. Can't wait. Yes. See you all on the track. <laughs>